Cornerstone Church of Dothan, Alabama is built on the unchanging Word of God. We believe the life-altering message of Jesus Christ is still the only power on earth of changing a human heart. Now, let's join today's message. You've only had a service or two in this brand new place. Man, I'm glad to... Still got that new car smell, I mean. Well, yeah, glad to help you break it in. It is a privilege to be. Thanks to your pastors and to the Lord for allowing us to be, be with you on these days. Uh, turn in the scriptures, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, second chapter, 1 Samuel 2. The Word of God is living and faith-giving. This book is not like any other book. And it's not just about the paper or the ink or the letters or the language. Words are containers. And these words contain God's thoughts, and in His thoughts are life, and faith, peace, everything that a spirit being needs. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Job said, uh, The ear tries words like the palate tastes food. And the prophet said, I've esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Most people on the planet don't realize this, but they desperately need to be fed spirit food from God. It, it causes your spirit. Just like if you hadn't eaten uh, naturally for a long, long time, you'd be emaciated and weak and unhealthy. And if you got a hold of some really good food, it'd cause your eyes to just brighten up. You'd just revive and, and begin to get some strength back again. Well, you don't get fed long enough physically. You'll die physically, but spiritually that, that doesn't happen. The spirit doesn't die. It just gets weaker and weaker, and weaker. And of course, faith is of the heart. And so if you've got a weak spirit, your your faith is weak. But a spirit can be built up. Even if it's been weak for 50 years, an anointed word can quicken your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And cause cause strength to come right up in you. And when strength and faith comes up in your spirit, what seemed impossible now seems doable. What seemed unreachable just a few minutes ago now seems receivable. Hmm? What seemed impossible just a little bit ago now seems overcomable. Because you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer by 
the greater one who's inside you. Come on, say it out loud. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You're an overcomer. Well, in the first Samuel 2, I want you to notice a phrase many of you may be familiar with already, but 1 Samuel 2, we have the story of the priest and his family that had gotten away from God, and uh, his sons in particular were doing things that were wrong in the house of God. They were stealing offerings, they were doing all manner of things, and the Lord had warned them, and they had not listened. But in the second chapter, the Lord said in verse 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say it out loud, them that honor me, I will honor. Of course, the next part's just as true, isn't it? They that despise me, they'll be lightly esteemed. Uh, one of the greatest errors in the church today it's been this way for generations now, is the preaching and teaching the doctrine that God is controlling everything. It's one of the biggest errors in the church today, that everything that happens is somehow the will of God, and that God is controlling everyone and everything. It is not true. I said it's not true. You see it in this phrase, in this, in this passage. You see it when God gave the law. He said, if you keep my commandments, right? All these blessings will come on you. I'll protect you and keep you. If you don't, all these curses will come on you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Huh? If God is controlling everything, there can be no if. There is no if. It's just the will of God. But that's not what the Bible reveals. He reveals the choice is in, up to humans. You choose. Right? You choose. I heard somebody going on some years ago about, you know, if God is really real and he's a God of love, how can a God who is love send people to an eternal hell and place of torment? Didn't make sense to them. They don't believe any of it. And, uh, you know, if you have faith in God, you believe he, anything he does or doesn't do is going to be righteous. You just take that by faith. Are you with me or not? Yes. You know, I, when I was in uh, 
uh, Rama years ago, one of our instructors when I was a student, was Brother Mel Piper. And uh, we, he, he was teaching us Old Testament studies. And one of the things he said was burned in me, it stuck with me to this day. We're reading a bunch of things in the Old Testament that involve judgment and some things you scratch your head about and you go, wow, that's pretty tough. <laughs> and uh, he, he paused one day, he said, listen, no matter what you understand or what you don't understand, always stay on God's side. <laughs> that's some of the best advice you'll ever get. Advice you'll ever get. Always stay on God's side. Because there's going to be a whole lot of things you're not going to understand. Not in this life. It'll be in the next life before you find out some things. But if you trust his character, if you trust his, who he is, then you're saying, no matter what people are saying, well, I just don't understand. You go, well, I don't either, but I'm with him. I'm with him. <laughs> if he said it, it's right. If he did it, it's right. If he didn't do it, it was right. Whether you understand it or not, come on, somebody said out loud, I'm on his side. I'm on, I'm on God's side. I'm on his side. I know reading the book of Job years ago, endeavoring to understand some things there. And, uh, you know, it's uh, 42 chapters of why do bad things happen to good people. I mean, it's, uh, and so I was kind of mired in it a little bit. And, and the big argument was why did all these terrible bad things happen to this really good man? That was the argument between him and his friends. Back and forth, back and forth. They pled their case that he must have messed up and he pled his case that he didn't mess up. And in fact, he got carried away and said that God wasn't fair. He accused God of not being fair and just. That's what he had, that's the biggest thing he had to repent over. If you mean later in the book, he repented. He said, I abhor myself in dust and ashes. And in the moment he repented, God healed him and gave him twice as much as what he lost. They tell us the entire ordeal of Job could have happened in less than a year. Maybe nine, ten months. Well, he had a bad year. <laughs> he had a rough year. And then you hear people talk about like poor old Job. He was a billionaire before this year, and after this year, he's a multi-billionaire. So poor old Job don't fit. And in looking at this and trying to understand it, the, uh, uh, I kept thinking, well, that's the big question is why did this happen? Why did this happen? And that's what a lot of people struggle with. And it took me years, but the Lord quickened to me finally as, at reading it. I noticed when God answered Job out of the whirlwind, he did not explain to him why. He asked him all kind of other questions that he didn't have the answer to. Hmm? And it dawned on me. No, the big issue is not why. The big issue is what you do when you don't know why. Is everybody listening? That is the acid test of faith. When you don't understand, when you don't know why, let me tell you what will get you through the roughest places you could ever encounter in life. You, me, any of us. There will be times you won't understand. There will be times when you've got questions. There will be times when your emotions are raw 
and your feelings are strong, look up through your tears and you say, Hi, Father, I don't understand this. I don't know what happened here. But I know this. You're a good God. You're fair. And I trust you. I'll trust you in life. I'll trust you in death. I'll trust you with my last breath. I'll say it forever. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. That will get you through anything. And on the other side of it, even in this life, you'll find out sometimes years later, oh, wow, no wonder. No wonder. I think for the first several years in heaven, that's going to be going on. For the first several years after you're in heaven, you'll be going along and then you'll go, oh, oh, no wonder. Oh, I see it. But down here, we see through a glass, darkly. It's dull. It's out of focus. We just know a little bit. But we know enough to trust God if we'll choose to. The big thing is not always knowing why. It's what you do when you don't know why. And those that'll trust him are coming through. Hallelujah, you're coming through. And on the other side, you'll see. God was more faithful and gracious and mercy than you would have asked him to be. You just didn't see some things. You just didn't understand some things. But once you see it clearly, you, I mean, mouths are going to be stopped. And anybody that accused God, it's going to be shown, let God be true. And every man a liar. Hallelujah. He is fair. He is just. He is true. And those that scoff and mock at him and blaspheme his name, now, in this life, are fools. Amen. Ignorant fools. And I don't want to be that way, do you? No. Nope. Somebody said out loud again, I'm on his side. <laughs> Me and God. Me and God. <laughs> is, that, is that you? That's you. Nothing can separate me. Hallelujah from his love. Nothing. Nothing. He said, them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let me read some other translations to you of this. The basic English says, I'll give honor to those by whom I am honored. Those who have no respect for me will be of small value. God's word says, those that honor me, I will honor those who honor me. Those who despise me will be considered insignificant. Well, lightly esteemed, what is that? I will honor, the, the new century says, I will honor those who honor me, but I will dishonor those who ignore me. Now, that is a definition of uh, despise. Despise means some different things than I think a lot of times folks in our modern generation think. Despise can be as simple as ignoring. You treat something like it's not even important enough for you to pay attention to or give any, any of your time or attention to. That is despising a thing. You're, the word honor, 
is, is the Hebrew word for it is the word weight or weighty. And it has to do with corresponding value. Gold is valuable. We, we use the phrase worth its weight in gold. That, that's, that very word that we're talking about is translated honor. You, you could say worth its honor, worth its value. And so this is about valuing things. Two of the most important things we could ever learn is what's important and what's not. Hmm? Say it out loud. What's important and what's not. Now you're not going to know this just because you were born on planet earth. You're not going to know this just because you've lived on the planet for 70 years. It's possible to live your whole life and waste it on things that are unimportant, insignificant. And if you do that, it makes your life insignificant. I didn't say God didn't love you. I didn't say you as a human being are not valuable to him, but your life, the life you lived can be insignificant. There is, with anybody that pauses for any length of time in life, this idea of a search for significance. I want my life to mean something. Right? I want my existence to mean something. There's only one way that can happen. You find out what's important. God's important. His things are important. And if His things become important to you and you give yourself for His things and His plan and His will, then everything about your life becomes valuable. Becomes significant. Now we're getting somewhere. Can you tell? I was believing God. You were believing God. We just hooked in right there. We just, we just, could you tell it? Maybe not. Well, we did. It's just not, it's not just you and me here. The Lord's here. His spirit is here. He's our teacher. I know, uh, oh, this must have been 25 plus years ago now. It was longer than that. It was 30 plus years ago. I was seeking the Lord about some things concerning his call on our life and ministry. And uh, I was busy with a lot of things that I didn't seem to me were very important. And I thought, well, man, if I was freed up from this to do more things for the Lord, I'd, I'd, it'd be, make me happy, you know. I was doing a bunch of trivial stuff. I was doing a bunch of paperwork at that time. And I wasn't enjoying it. And uh, I'd get... I'd get done with a stack of paperwork like this, and I'm not exaggerating. And then, well, not long after that, there'd be two more stacks waiting on me. And I, and I know I'm pursuing the call, but I'm not doing full-time the things that I wanted to do. I'm praying, seeking the Lord about it. And uh, I said, Lord, what about this? And he, he spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside. He said, son, the more important... Uh, 
my things become to you. The more you're doing my will, the more important your things become to me. Is that not the same thing we just read? Those who honor, what's the word honor mean? Value, worth. The more, the more importance I place on his things, and I saw it just like a flash. The more I'm doing his will, not just what somebody thought was his will, but actually his will and plan. And the more important it is to me, he said, I will, uh, he said, I will give you help. I will give you finances. I will give you equipment. I will help you redeem your time. But it's tied to how important my things are to you. Hmm? He's, he, he has no obligation to make me a multimillionaire and comfortable so I can sit and watch TV all day Amen. and do nothing. <laughs> What's, if, if he doesn't care about it, I need to get renewed into think, think, my thinking that I care about what he cares about. Amen. Mm -hmm. What's valuable to him is valuable to me. Right. What's important to him is important to me. And if I begin to focus on that, and that's my pri priority, and I honor that, What's going to happen? It's going to bring a response from the Almighty Hallelujah. into my life and everything I'm doing now takes on greater significance. Hallelujah. Even the natural things in my life. Praise God. It becomes more important to Him uh, where I'm living, how I'm traveling, my health, come on, are you listening? Yeah. Why? Because I'm using it for him. Now, a lot of folks talk about that, but the truth is millions of church-going people are really pursuing their own plan and asking God to bless it. The only way you can get his plan is to, first of all, lay yours aside, and be willing to do anything he wants you to do. It begins with willingness. Everybody listening. It begins with willingness. Go with me to the book of John, 7th chapter. John chapter 7, in verse uh, 16, well, let's, let's back up to 14. The midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught, and the Jews marveled. They said, how knows this man letters, having never learned? How does he speak like this? He has no degrees. He doesn't have all the higher education we've got. Where does he get all this? And Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. 
Did you know Jesus never took credit personally for one message he preached or one healing or one deliverance? He said, I can of my own self do nothing. He said, the Father in me, he does the works. If you'd have told him, Master, that was an amazing message, what would he say? It's not mine. Father gave it to me. And that's not trying to be humble. That's reality. It's the truth. He's saying, I didn't think it up. I didn't figure it out. The Father gave it to me. In uh, the next verse, he said, uh, if any man will do his will. Now, that's the King James. If you look up other translations, the a more accurate is if any man wills to do his will. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. He will know what's God and what's not. What's God and what's man. What will give you this discernment? A willing heart. Remember Jesus would say, him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, what determine who has ears to hear and who doesn't have ears? One of the biggest things is a willing heart. If you're not willing to do a thing, you can't even hear it. Even if it's told you. It just bounces off of your, your deaf ears. There's been times in my life it was so, so clear. I know Phyllis and I were struggling in our finances one time. And uh, I had prayed, I'd sought the Lord, I'd made my confessions. And uh, we got nowhere. This went on for a couple of years. And just tight, 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 and behind. And uh, once in a while, it'd come up in me about going out on weekends and ministering. But I was real busy, and I didn't much like that idea. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, when you don't want something to be the Lord, you can pretend. <laughs> huh? You can, you can like, what is that? And, and I don't know what that, what that is. I, <laughs> that thought, and it just, you know, it comes up in you uh, just as a thought, but it's not coming from out here. It's coming from him and came to my mind. And, and I'm like, I don't know what, you know, I ate too much pizza last night or just, I don't know where that thought. And if you do that, the enemy will be right there to deceive you. He'll go, right, we don't know what that is. If you want to be sensitive to the Lord's direction, you have to be receptive to the correction. They go together. If you ignore the correction, it dulls you and confuses you about the direction. If the Lord's trying to talk to you and give you your direction today, well, if two days ago you ignored something he told you, well, who is this talking to you today? Same one you said wasn't God yesterday. So you confuse yourself. And that's where a lot of folks are. Most everybody's done some of that, but let's quit. <laughs> uh, 
If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, eating the good of the land is God honoring you. That's going to be directly connected to you and I honoring him. I mean, when your finances are in good shape, when stuff all around you is falling apart, when other people have to close up shop and you open up two branches, that's God honoring you. Hmm? When everybody else's kids out sick and yours are healthy and didn't even get the cold or didn't even get the flu, that's God honoring you. Y'all with me? Honoring you with, with his presence, honoring you with his keeping power, with his prosperity. That's inseparable, though, from you honoring him. He honors those who honor him. His presence in our midst in this great new facility is him honoring us. His revealing his word to us is him honoring us. But you having it in your heart to build him a nice new place is you honoring him. Is that right? That was, you should have shouted right there. That's, that was a good place to, to rejoice. The, uh, no brother Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, tells about uh, one of the first music projects he did. And uh, he said, uh, of course, he's hiring musicians. He didn't have his own. And this is way back in the earliest days of his ministry. And they got a little studio time, and he got the best players he could. And a lot of them, you know, were not Christian guys and, or necessarily, but that's what he could get. And so they're doing it. And there was this one song he didn't quite have right. And so he's trying to get them to do it again. And it's getting late. It's midnight or whatever. And I don't know if you've ever done any studio work, but it's, it, it can be challenging. It can be a lot of work. And uh, so uh, finally, one of the guys, I think it was a steel guitar player, he, he spoke up and he said, now that's, that's just good enough for gospel music, he said. And they said the color went out of Brother Kenneth's face. <laughs> Just good enough for gospel. Well, I understand they sent him home. And they kept going until they got it to where they, they want to be. That is a giant problem in the church. Even though it is not vocalized, it's happening. All over the, oh, it's just pastors, it's just so-and-so, no respect. Oh, we get there when we get there. Hmm? I'll do it if I can. <laughs> Seeing some looks across the, the place. <laughs> I've been to churches where that, uh, the pastor asked somebody, you know, so-and-so, come, come sing us that special. And they said, uh, Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not prepared tonight. Okay, well, so-and-so, how about you come and go through like four or five people and nobody would come. And finally, one person said, well, y'all pray, I'll, I'll try. I don't know, I'll see. <laughs> see. And, and came like they were doing everybody a great favor. That's wrong. It's a great favor for you to get to do something. That's wrong. There's an acquaintance of mine. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but years ago they'd built a great new place and, and uh, he came in and 
And uh, so his people, you know, did that kind of thing. They, I'm not ready, I can't, I'm sorry, we're not going to do this and that. And he walked over where all the light switches were and he turned them all off. He said, go home. You don't want to have church, you're not ready to have church. Go home and when you get ready, come back. They thought he's joking. He went out the back and got in his car and went home. <laughs> Left him sitting there in the dark. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the Lord told him to do that. But there's far too much the other direction. Folks not showing respect to the things of God. Not honoring. They're acting like they did you a favor by showing up today. And I put in $2 in the offering. Not realizing, honey, that's mostly for you. You know, we we're often quote the phrase, the scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A year or so ago, the Lord spoke to me about our folks. He said, uh, attending church is not serving the Lord. People say, well, it's for me and my house. And what they mean is I go to church once in a while. We serve the Lord. No, that's for you. You come and get fed. That's not serving the Lord. What do you do with your time, your abilities, your talent, your treasure that affects the kingdom? With many people, remember, despising can be as simple as just ignoring. Amen. To many people, how many think there ought to be a lot of other folks that are with us tonight? Hmm? But something else was more important. Well, now, if the Lord told them to do something else, well, that's fine. But a whole lot of folks, he didn't. Their priorities are just wrong. They show up if they want to. They don't if they don't. And I'm not saying that to, uh, to judge anybody. I'm saying that because if they don't value his things any more than that, their life is going to be treated insignificantly too. That's what happens. You reap what you sow. You're not very involved in his things. He's not going to be very involved in your things. And it's not... His choice. <laughs> am, I, am I reading scriptures or not? Yes. Amen. I, I mentioned to you a moment ago about the, the folks that were saying, how can a God who is love send people to an eternal hell? I mean, they don't believe all that. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, I don't believe that. I trust you. I'm on your side. But how do you answer these kind of things? What's the best way to answer and a couple of days later, he brought that to me again and inside my spirit. I, I, I heard those words again. How can a God who is love send people to an eternal hell, a place of torment? And he said to me, son, it's not my choice. Now, is that true or not? It's not my choice. It's their choice. Not my choice. Did he really make us with a free will? Yes. Do we see all the time in the scriptures, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you don't do that, you do something else, then something else is going to happen. Not the same thing. 
Well, who determines whether this happens or that happens? Not God. That's right. Not God. Oh, friends, God is so great. And he ought to be revered. He ought to be honored. And we should give him our very best. Our very best. Not what's left over, but the first and the best. And do the best we can and believe God to do better later. Is that right? Do the best we can right now, realizing that ain't perfection, but that's the best we can do right now. And believe in the step up from there. Hmm? And if that's your heart, and if you really do that, what did he say? Those who honor me, you've honored me, you've given me your best, you're doing the best you know how to do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to honor you. My hand's going to be on you. Everything that's in your life has now taken on an eternal purpose. Everything, I mean everything from combing your hair to getting dressed. Come on, are y'all with me? To, to how you get back and forth between places. All of that takes on kingdom significance when you are endeavoring to honor him with your whole heart. Amen. And he will honor you in how you live and what you do. And some people will find fault with it as he blesses you. 30, 60, 100 fold. Because the truth is, a lot of folks are not willing to do what you're doing. So they're not going to get what you're getting. They want to get what you're getting, but they don't want to do what you're doing. They want to reap what you're reaping, but they don't want to sow what you're sowing. And so they'll just want to judge. 30, 60, 100 fold comes with persecutions, the master said. But, you can handle it. I said, you can handle it. Make God happy. Let him bless you. Go with me to Malachi, please. Can you take some more of this? Malachi, the first chapter. It said out loud, those that honor him, he will honor Now, that's not talking about just a bunch of words. You'll see sometimes people use the word honor too loosely. Oh, we honor this or we honor that. Doesn't mean they are. Uh, Jesus talked about Matthew, quoted in Isaiah. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is not talking about honor. This is God and his things and his people, his church, his ministries being precious to you in your heart. And if they are, it comes out in your decisions. It comes out in what you do with your time and your finances and your labors, everything about you. It's priority. Hmm? We're not deciding if we're going to read the Bible on a regular basis. That's our life because the Word's important. We're not deciding if we want to go to church more than once uh, every three or four months. Church is priority. Serving is priority. Right? right. 
do it. It's priority. It's our life. And the more that happens, it opens the door for God to honor you. In Malachi 1, notice this, because it, uh, this is one of the reasons why you hear so much talk, so much opposition against prosperity, so-called, which is God's abundance. There's, there's so much opposition because the, the two go hand in hand. You honor the Lord with your substance, your first fruits. Your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. Tithing is about honoring Him. A lot of, you know, a lot of folks don't tithe. I, I know that. But the reasons why they don't is, is ignorance and lack of understanding. It's not about getting something from you. Tithing is about honor and access. It's about honoring who your source is. Acknowledging, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't from God. Right? And this same book of Malachi 3 talks about if you, if you bring your tithes and offerings so that there's meat and food in his house, I'll open the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing there's not room to receive. I rebuke the devourer for your sake. Windows provide access. Can you see that? When you open your heart to honor him like this, then that window is open. The door is open for access for him to get into your business. Amen. To rebuke the devourer. Boy, my, my wife Phyllis, she's big on this. Anytime they, they send a bill and say something broke when it shouldn't have broke or, or something's going to, a, a, a bill that we shouldn't have, she starts stomping her feet going, no, we're tithers. We're tithers and the devil is rebuked. And the next thing you know, stuff starts running again. I've seen it over and over again. Things start running or we get some kind of amazing deal where it didn't cost us half as much. It just happens all the time. There are benefits to them. If people really understood this, they wouldn't fight it another day. Well, that's another, another subject, another day. And yet it's not because it's about honoring him. In Genesis 1, actually all this flow, Genesis, Malachi 1, all this flows together. In Malachi 1 and 6, The Lord said, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I then be an honor, father, where is my honor? Well, the Lord shouldn't have to ask this, should he? Where's my honor? Where's my respect? If I be a master, where's my fear or reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priests, that despise my name. The congregations are a reflection of the ministry. The, the honor and respect for God that the ministry has will be directly reflected by the congregation. And so the enemy tries to work on the ministry to get loose, lax, and we live in a loose generation. Nothing's important. Everything's no big deal. 
Well, let's just all be real casual. Well, I understand comfortable, but you can cross the line and be disrespectful. Everything's too loose. Too loose, loose, loose. Oh, it's okay. No big deal. God understands. Does he now? <laughs> Have you asked him? I've heard people say scriptures that say, oh, God don't care about all that. And yet it's in the scripture, uh, some things that he said he cared about. And I said, well, he used to because it's in the word. He used to care about it because I read about it. <laughs> when did he change? Oh, God don't care. But people think it's, you know, it's more appealing to say, oh, well, you know, we don't go for all that stuff. It's just everybody's just cool and, and loose and well, yeah, don't be pretentious and don't have a bunch of formality that God didn't tell you to have, but you can go too far. And you're not just loose, you're disrespectful. No respect, no honor. And that's what he's saying to them. He said, where's my honor? And they, he said, you've despised my name. And listen, the, the, the ministers responded. They said, where have we despised your name? What? You offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted you? And you say, the table of the Lord's contemptible. You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? You offer the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Accept your person? The Lord said, give your governor that. See if he likes it. <laughs> and... Uh, who is there even among you that would shut the doors for nothing? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for nothing. Everybody wants to get paid for every detail. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I won't accept an offering of your hand. Did you know the Lord doesn't accept all offerings? Just because you gave it doesn't mean he accepted it. From the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great. Among the Gentiles in every place incense will be offered to my name. A pure offering for my name shall be, my name will be great among the heathen, said the Lord of hosts. Our God is great. Right? And we need to act like it amongst each other and especially in front of the world. One of the big things that makes us the light of the world is how we esteem the things of God in front of the world. I'm not, trying to talk, I'm not talking about trying to make them accept it or do it, but they just need to know God is important to us and the Word is important to us. Church is important to us and the people of God are important to us. Big. We're making no apologies. We're not embarrassed. We're not ashamed. We're not trying to cram it down their throat if they don't want to hear about it. But if they're around us any length of time, they're going to see this is priority in our life. This is big, big, big. And we know how to play and we know how to have fun, but we also know when to get serious. And go, now this is the work of God. It's got to be done right. It's got to be done the very best we know how. Right? It's time to put out, pull out the stops. Get it done. Get it right. Are y'all with me? He said, you've said, behold, what a weariness it is. Verse 13, you've snuffed at it. Now that's a description of despising. What's a snuff? Psh. Psh. 
whatever is a snuff. We need to get rid of that phrase. Well, whatever. Well, you know, if it does, when it does, whatever. It's either right to do it or not. The Lord either said do it or not. It's either his things or it's not. You snuffed at it. You brought what was torn and lame and sick. You brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, said the Lord? Cursed be the deceiver which has a flock, he a male, and vows and sacrifices to the Lord a corrupt thing. Now, this is not them doing the best they could. They had good stock. They could have done really good. But when it came time to give they, at the temple there, they said, ah, oh, you know, they're just going to sacrifice them. So just get the junk stock. That's good enough for gospel music. <laughs> That's time to send somebody home. Right? People are afraid. Fear is dominating. In churches, in ministries, people are afraid. If they set a high standard... If they say, no, it's not all right to be loose like that, people will quit coming. They'll quit giving. Hmm? But the opposite's actually true. Oh, you may have a few folks, but others will come in that are serious. Yeah. Pastor friend, one time, he, uh, he said uh, a man in his church, his extended family made up some... 20 some people and he's the wealthiest man in town and his family collectively were biggest givers in the church without question and said uh, after he started a new series one Sunday he came and said you know now pastor I you know we like you and like the church but I just can't agree with this what you're teaching right now and if you persist in teaching it then me and my family is going to leave <laughs> he said well he said, brother, you know I love you, but I, I, I'm a man. I could miss it, but I believe the Lord told me to teach this, and I'm going to stand before him, not you. He said, well, we, uh, we're leaving. So he left, and he said he's looking out his study window, and the guy's walking across the uh, parking lot, and he bothered him. You know, He said, Lord, there goes the biggest giver in my church. He said the Lord spoke to him and said, no, nope, I'm still here. <laughs> he said in the course of the next few months he brought in three families stronger than these guys were nobody's irreplaceable none of us are irreplaceable God's plan is going to get done the question is, are you going to be a part of it? Because if not, he can use somebody else. He can do things a different way. I mean to the point where he said, if these, if these weren't crying out, the rocks would cry out. Yeah. It's going to get done. I don't want any rocks crying out no. in my place, and I don't want anybody else getting my reward. Hmm? Nope. In order for that to be true, our place to be secure, 
We have to love his things and not get cold and look at it with disrespect. I know some years ago, I was thanking God about how blessed Phyllis and I are. We have been in some of the best meetings on the planet. We have been, we have heard thousands of amazing messages on every subject. And, and, and I was realizing there are people on the planet that have never heard one good faith message. I thought, Lord, why us? Little country people from Mississippi? I mean, who were we? And why us? That we've had proximity to such greatness and, and we've received so much. Just it goes on and on. I know when I got had the privilege of working at Brother Hagin's ministry, I got to be in all the classes. I got to be in prayer and healing school. I got to monitor his classes. And at one point they sent me home with the tapes to review them. I'm getting immersed in the Word. And I thought, Lord, what is... And when healing school opened up, Brother Hagin announced, we're going to have a healing center. We're going to train people to minister to the sick. I thought, wow, wow, wow. I looked around behind me. There were 500 people in the room. I thought, well, you know, who am I? Everybody would probably want the same thing. When it came time, I was one of the two. The first two that got to be a part. Years later, the Lord quickened him. He said, when you turned around and you said, well, I guess everybody feels that way. He said, they didn't. Everybody didn't feel that way. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was one of the biggest things I ever heard. God honored me to be a part of it. Come on, can you see this? I valued it. He valued me to be a part of it. Come on, can you see this, friends? When I asked him about why we had heard so much, then uh, I didn't get an answer that day. But several days later, he caused it to run off on my, in my thinking. The very first word I heard on faith and being redeemed, we heard some tapes by uh, Kenneth Copeland, actually, on being redeemed from the curse of the law. Later on, found out he got some things from Brother Hagin on, on that. But at the time, I didn't know Brother Hagin existed. And I got so stirred up. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Some of the best news, I still hadn't got over it. Amen. And so I, I wanted to share it with some of my friends. And, and I shared it with some folks. And, and uh, we didn't have uh, CDs and all that back then. It was real tape, magnetic tape. And, and so I, was, and I saw them in a few days and I said, what about that? What about? They said, well, I hadn't had a chance to listen to it. Hadn't had a chance. I said, listen to that. That'll change your life. Well, two or three weeks later, they came back and I said, you've listened to it? Well, part of it. Part of it. <laughs> you don't understand. I mean, have you ever wanted to just open up somebody's head and just <laughs> stick it down inside and go, get it. Amen. But you can't. And you know why you can't? God only gives it. He only opens it up to those who value it. To those who has ears to hear. What makes hearing ears? It's a willing heart that honors it, that treasures it. 
And I, I remembered that. I thought, oh, Lord. He said, I gave this to you, and I continued to keep giving to you and Phyllis because I knew you would value it. If we ever stop valuing it, we'll stop getting it. I knew you'd value it. So it just keeps coming. Hallelujah. I want more. Do you want more? Then I got to stir myself up. Right? Can't be same old, same old. And it's not, oh, we have to. No, we get to. (laughs) We get to pray. We get to get in the word. We get to. Hallelujah. We get to come together and have meeting. I I get to come minister to you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. We, We get to be a part of these things. You get to be a part of building this new facility. You get to be a part paying for everything. How many have found out you take care of God's stuff? He's going to take care of your stuff. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You pay off his stuff, your stuff gets paid for. You put new stuff in his things, you wind up with new things. It is the verse, them that honor me, I will honor. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord's brought us from place to place. I mean, uh, old wore out used cars to new cars to very nice cars and little dinky rough apartments with stinky furniture to better apartments and better apartments and rent houses and and houses and nice houses and really nice houses. We just keep coming up, keep coming up, keep coming up. But but that's not what we're seeking. That's benefits. Come on, are y'all with me? That's not what we get up in the morning thinking about. I know uh, uh, y'all are familiar, many of you, with Brother Jesse Duplantis and their ministry. We're, we're friends with them. And they got their current plane that they have now. This would have been 10 plus years ago. And it was several years old, but a nice plane that could go anywhere in the world. And uh, they were coming through within about an hour or so from where we were and told us, could we come see it? And we oh, yeah, yeah. So we jumped in the car and we went to meet them. We're at the airport and we got, in, we got on the plane with them and we sat in there and we prayed and we shouted and we said hallelujah and we blessed it and everything, you know. And, and uh, when I was coming off the plane, we we're so happy and thankful. Coming off the plane... There was a, a, a line guy, a guy that worked there at the FBO that knew us, knew both of us. And he was b- beaming red. I could tell he was upset. And I thought, what is it, brother? He, he said, you see them guys over there? I said, yeah. He said, they're talking bad about you and brother Jesse. I said, yeah. He says, they said, what in the world does a preacher need with something like that? Now, sitting right beside Brother Jesse's plane was one that would dwarf it. It was brand spanking new. It was eight times the money owned by Dillard. And nobody was mad about Dillard. Yeah. Having, actually, was a, a 
$40 million jet. And I didn't see anything in the news about anybody being mad about Dillard. I didn't hear anything on the, the talk shows. And that was many, many years ago. Have you heard anything? People upset because Dillard had a, a jet. Why? Because underwear is important. That's right. And household goods, yes. right? That's important stuff. But preaching the gospel, this is too good for that. And it came right out of my spirit. He, he, said, he said, I think I'm just going to punch that one guy. said, no, no, don't. He, it made him mad. I said, don't do it. No, because then, you know, he's liable to want to punch you, and then who knows where this is going to end. So I said, no. I said, they, it came out of my spirit. I've never said it like that. I said, they just don't value what we do. And that's true. They don't value what we do. Now, I bring that up because a lot of folks, they, they're, they're with you on, if it's a church building. But on something like that, eh, they lost me, they say. So you, and I don't care who it is, you'll find your place where you're saying, nah, it ain't worth that. Hmm? You remember when the woman brought the uh, alabaster box of ointment and she dumped it on, on Jesus? And you remember what Judas said? Why was this waste of the ointment made? Could have been sold for X amount and given to the poor. Millions of Christians believe that and quote that and don't realize it's Jesus didn't say it. Judas said it. This should have been sold and given to the poor. It's in the Bible. It sure is. Judas Iscariot said it. And immediately after that is when he went to him and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. It's, it's two verses below it. Why? What's he saying? It's about value. He's saying this ointment and the money that could have come out of here is more valuable than Jesus. More valuable than the Word made flesh. And all of us have a place where we start squirming and go, oh, no, I don't know, that's a lot of money. That's maybe too much. Too much for who? I hope we don't say it's too much for the gospel, too much for the work of God, too much for the things of God, too much for the people of God. Y'all with me or not? Do you want to come up to another place in your life hmm? where God can honor you? And it's, it's not about making a big deal out of you. Jesus uh, prayed this in John about God being honored in him. Honor, honor your son that you might be honored, glorified in him. It's about, it's not the more beat down we are that God is glorified by. 
It's victories. It's in bringing us up higher. And instead of us being puffed up, us being more thankful. But we're not ashamed either. Hmm? Anybody ashamed of this new building? That was a little, could have been a little stronger. Anybody ashamed of this new building? No, no you're not. You want God to do even bigger things. You want him to, I mean, just do outstanding things. Amazing things. Until people around are going, they spent how much? How much? You want to get into that territory where people are going, now that's just too much for gospel. That's just too much for Christian people and preachers and all. That's just too much. That's just too much. Too much. Well, what kind of God do you serve? He's a good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Too much. He's a too much. He's a net breaking. Ship sinking. Cup running over. Too much Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to see some too much. We need to see some too much in all the areas of the work of God. Some excess. Some overflow. And abundance. And when that's our heart and we begin to pour out that way, you're going to see it come back. Hallelujah. You honoring him like that, he's going to honor you. And you come up to a whole nother level. We believe you are blessed by this message today and we encourage you to stay in God's word. Cornerstone's mission is to be actively involved in the Great Commission by raising up and equipping a body of believers who are empowered with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for the purpose of impacting those people around them with the love and goodness of God. For more information about Cornerstone Church and other resources that are available to assist you in your spiritual growth, contact our office at 334-983-1848 or visit us online at ccdothan.org.